Today we continue our Advent chore, our Advent chore, right? So we've been on an adventure with Jesus, and we know it's an adventure anytime we walk with faith with Jesus. And so um, over the course of Advent Sundays, we, we've traveled over 4,000 years of Old Testament biblical history, looking at the promises and prophecies of Messiah to come. We, we've traveled from, let's see, from Nazareth to Bethlehem with Mary and Jesus and witnessed uh, Jesus' birth there in Bethlehem. Last week, we traveled to the future, and we looked at um, possible futures of what prophecy tells us about Jesus' second advent. And, and finally, today, on this final Sunday of Advent, we're going to travel to the hillsides of Bethlehem, and we're going to see the shepherd's reaction to the angelic announcement of Messiah's birth. So we're going to be today in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Luke 2, 8 through 20, kind of some of the traditional Christmas story here. And we're going to see the angels and the shepherds. And Luke 2 tells us, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on peace and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. And the shepherds said to them, uh, at, at what the shepherds said to them, I'm sorry. But Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, let's pray. Well, our Father in heaven, we now ask for your blessing as we worship and as we look at this very familiar passage of, of the Christmas story. And we pray today that as we work through it, that you would bring us a sense of freshness in, in our approach to your word and of the Christmas story, that we might see it through fresh eyes, um, Lord, and hear it through uh, fresh ears today. And I pray that you would unravel before us some of the mysteries of the Savior's birth. And Father God, um, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations 
of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, that they would bring you joy and glory this day as we worship. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. Well, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about this story of the Savior's birth and to think about if this story were to happen today or if this were to happen on Friday, right? On Christmas Eve, if the 24th of December, at the end of this week, if these events were taking place, can you imagine what it might be like today? If these things were taking place today, I wonder, um, I don't know about you, but I wonder, would there be would there be international news outlets there on the hillside? Would, would Fox News and the BBC and, I don't know, like Guatevision be there with their satellite trucks on the hillside and their reporters and you could barely move around because there were so many journalists covering this event of the Savior's birth? I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if Jesus were born today, would it be, would it be like that? But we know one thing, Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. He's not born today. And we know that in the time that he was born, things were very different. Yes, we may not know everything about that time, but we know it would have been very different than we might imagine it today. Um, Again, another question for you. You, you. You already know the answer to this. But I want you to think about this. Hear this question as if you didn't already know the answer. Okay? Think about if you didn't already know the answer. To whom do you think that God would send the first announcement about Jesus' birth? If you didn't already know the answer, to to whom would God send the first announcement of Messiah's birth? Who do you think? Maybe to the Roman provincial governor. That's an, important, that's an important, powerful, political person. Maybe that would make sense, right? If you didn't know the answer, who do you think God would send that first announcement to? Maybe to the high priest at the temple in Jerusalem. That makes good sense, doesn't it? Maybe to the synagogue leaders in Bethlehem. Be kind of courtesy to let them know what was going on, that Messiah was born right here in your community. These would make sense. But no, you know these are not the answer, right? To whom did God give the first announcement of Messiah's birth? To the shepherds. To the shepherds. Okay. We probably don't think much about shepherds today, but in in Jesus' day, um, shepherds weren't a well-regarded group of people. Now today, we see postcards, Christmas cards, Christmas art with the shepherds. Sam did a nice Christmas um, promo with a picture, a drawing of shepherds for this worship today. It's really nice. It's lovely. But in Jesus' time, shepherds weren't seen as lovely people, as nice people, that they were low, low on the totem pole of culture in their day. They were nomadic. 
They were smelly. They were dirty. In fact, in Genesis 46, there's kind of an interesting, there's kind of a, a, an interesting text that says that every shepherd was detestable to the Egyptians. And so when, when God's people went to Egypt, right, and they had lots of livestock and there were shepherds and the, the Egyptians hated the shepherds. They, they thought they were disgusting in their culture, their more advanced culture. And so shepherds were not regarded well culturally, and they even weren't trusted. Shepherds were thought to be thieves. And so it was actually in one of the Jewish writings of the day, the Mishnah, Jews were prohibited from buying things from shepherds because it was sort of assumed, whether it was true or not, that if you're buying something from a shepherd, they probably stole it. So you don't want to buy something for them. So shepherds were not well regarded. I don't know. I don't know what the best analogy is today. I've thought about this. Who, who, would, be, who would be the shepherds today in our culture? Maybe something to, something to think about, people that aren't well regarded. I wondered maybe, you know, I, I'm from the United States, and I thought about maybe in the 19th century, like, like cowboys out west who were nomadic, who were herding these, you know, these great herds of, of cattle and their living by the campfire at night. Maybe they're seen as being kind of renegades, maybe not trustworthy. I don't know. That might be a bad analogy, but that's what came to mind. I'm not sure what might come to, to your mind or what might be the cultural analogy here in Guatemala, but sort of interesting to think who would be the shepherds today. You don't want to buy something from this person. This person is untrustworthy, right? Who would that be? Uh, anyway, the shepherds were detestable. They were not trusted. They were low on the social scale of their day. They wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been members at the country club. We can put it that way, all right? They wouldn't have gone to like First Presbyterian or First Baptist Church. Uh, they wouldn't be welcomed in those places. And, and, and knowing that, knowing that, isn't it amazing? Isn't it astonishing that the first people who would receive the, the message, who would receive the news of Messiah's birth, were a bunch of shepherds on the hillside in Bethlehem. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. And, and I think in a way, we can see that as a picture of the gospel itself. Okay? So the Christmas story, here's a little picture of the gospel itself, that God didn't send the, the first message to the most important people, but he sent it to shepherds. And in fact, when Paul writes to the, the church in Corinth, the people of the church in Corinth thought they were kind of important. They thought they were kind of upper crust. And Paul reminds them in his teaching to them, he says that God doesn't actually call many who are the upper cut. He tends to call the people who are on the bottom. He tends to call the people who are the lowly of this world. And if you remember, the reason Paul gave for that is he said, if, if God calls like the best people, well, those people are going to get the glory for it, right? For what they do. And God calls the lowly. God calls the broken because then he gets the glory as those people follow the call. As they trust in God, God gets all the glory. Now, I think there's a lesson there for us today from the shepherds on the hillside of the very gospel, that the gospel has turned everything upside down for us. And so if you feel broken, if you feel like sometimes you don't fit in, if you feel like sometimes, well, I'm a little on the low end of the totem pole here, 
you're just the kind of person that God will use in powerful ways. Amen? Amen. Um, that's what the shepherds were. And Jesus came. We're told in the scripture that Jesus, you know, the, the, the physician didn't come to, to heal those who were well, right? He came to heal those who were sick, that he came for sinners. He came to save sinners such as we are and such as the shepherds were. And that's who he gave the announcement to. But in the text today, in the text today, it wasn't just the shepherds, was it? They weren't the only ones there. We're told in the text that there were angels as well. So we're going, to take a, we're going to take a little turn here and look at the angels. The angels were there. And there was one particular angel there. Did you pick up on that? One angel came to them, some kind of important angel, and gave them this announcement. Um, and I, try to, I try to imagine that, what it would have been like on a, a, cold, a cold evening, maybe the shepherds were gathered around their campfire. Maybe they had had their dinner for the night. Maybe the, the, the sheep are sort of resting for the evening. It's midwinter. Maybe there were some lambs that had been born. It seems, as I imagine it, that it would have been a calm moment on the hillside. And then into that moment, into that moment, suddenly this angel appears and then is followed by this great multitude of angels on the hillside. Now, that one angel that came, that one angel, that particular one, was it Gabriel? Was it the angel Gabriel? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us what, what angel it was. It was Gabriel, we're told, who appeared to Zechariah, Zechariah and Elizabeth and announced, the, you know, announced the, the coming of their son, John, John the Baptist, right? That was, we're told that was Gabriel. It was Gabriel who came to Mary and who told Mary, remember Mary who wasn't even fully married to Joseph at the time that she was going to be pregnant and that she was going to bear this child of the Holy Spirit and that, and that she was to call his name Jesus, which means that, you know, that God saves his people. And that was, that was Gabriel as well. And so I wonder on the hillside there with the shepherds, I wonder if this again was Gabriel making a third appearance, or at least I wonder if Gabriel would have gone to Gone to God and said, send me one more time. <laughs> I want to finish the job. I want to make this final announcement to the shepherds. Send me, send me the sinners on the hillside of Bethlehem to announce the birth of Messiah. I, I wonder if that was Gabriel. But no sooner, no sooner had Gabriel or, or this angel spoken that, that the whole heavenly multitude came down and began to, to sing glory to God, to give glory to God. This whole heavenly host appears. And, and, and you know, the Bible, the Bible is full of talk about angels. You may be really into angels. You may not be really into angels. I don't, you know, I don't tend to like think a lot about, about angels, but the Bible says a good bit about angels, that angels were rational, created, spiritual beings who praised God. Uh, they appear at various points in redemptive history. 
Many of the angels fell, we are told. They, they followed Satan and they fell. And Peter says that they are reserved in chains and reserved for judgment, those who fell. But, but most, perhaps the majority of angels, they, um, they are faithful and they are glorifying God. One moment. They are faithful and they are glorifying God and they appear in Scripture. We see, um, we see in Scripture that there's a lot of angels. Scripture says that there's like 10,000 upon 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels. And I'm not very good at math, but I think if you like multiply all that up, it's like a billion angels. Okay? It's a lot of angels. And, um, and this morning, as we worship, as we gather to worship in our church together as a family of faith, we can also be assured that there are billions of angels who are worshiping and they're constantly glorifying God and praising God, kind of, a, kind of a cool thing to think about. And Paul says there's different orders of angels, thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. Um, there's at least one angel in the Bible called Michael, and he's described as an archangel. Now, is Gabriel an archangel? I don't know. Seems like maybe he would be, uh, but we're not told. Um, do you ever wonder what... Michael or Gabriel would have looked like. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about. Probably would be really amazing. Would be really amazing. And, and, and you know, at, at significant moments throughout redemptive history, these angels appear to human beings. We're even told in Job 38 that at the very beginning of creation, in the order of creation, that, the, that there were angels present with the triune God as he, as he created. And then in the times of the patriarch, people like Isaac and Jacob, they, were, they had encounters with angels. And, um, and we're, we're told that Moses, uh, Paul in Galatians writes about how Moses gave the law of God. And it was, and it was um, let's see, the language was, uh, with a mediator through angels, he gave the law of God. And we see prophets like Elisha and Elijah, and there's angels um, that appear throughout their ministry. And then, of course, here at the birth of Jesus, we have several um, we have these several appearances of angels. And then, even into the apostolic period, we have angels. For example, Paul and Silas are released from prison, and it's like angels sort of shook the prison, and their chains fell off. And so, we continue to have these these um, visions or appearances of angels throughout throughout the scripture and you know you you think about these angels and what they would have been like and what they would have looked like and what they would have done and and of course one of the things that we see that the angels do uh in in this text is we see that the angels sang the angels sang and so um, they praise God. They glorify God in song. And sometimes it seems like maybe that's one of the things they do a lot of is to sing that the angels are like the choristers uh, of heaven, that they teach us how to sing. Um, and, 
And I don't know if you know people like this. Maybe you are a person like this that, you know, you always got a kind of got a song in your head. You're always humming it or singing it or whistling that song. And I think angels must be kind of like that. They've always, they're always singing, praising, praising God. They're the choristers of heaven. They teach us about worship. They teach us about God's glory. They teach us how to put glory in our singing and in our worship and in our praise to God. I think that's what uh, Jose Luis was trying to convey to us earlier, that we're here to praise God. We're here to glorify God. And and the angels in Scripture are are our, our guides to teach us to worship and to teach us to praise God. And they come and they come to the shepherds and they, and they sing glory to God in the highest, right? And, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. They're glorifying God. But the, the, angel, the angels not only sing, but, but the Bible seems to bear out that in some way, shape or form, the angels are our protectors, there are protectors. And, and so, you know, the, the first thing we see about the shepherds when the angel appears is that they're terrified. And that seems to be a common, a common response to encounters with angels in the Bible is that people are terrified. But the angels, they always let people know they're not there to terrify them, that they're there for them. They are there for their good, whether it's to protect them or guide them. And they always say, do not do not be afraid, right? Do not be afraid. Fear not, is what the angels often say. Do not be afraid. And I don't know exactly how. I'm not sure that I believe that, you know, sometimes people say I've got a guardian angel, and I'm not sure, I'm not so sure about that. But it does seem like in significant moments that, that the Lord's angels do have our good in mind and are there to guide us and to protect us that that is some kind of ministry or outworking of the, of the angels and God's providence is for our good and for our protection. And they're singing away here in the text about God's glory and about the Messiah's birth. So that's the angels. So we saw the shepherds and then we see the angels and we learn a little bit about what the angels did. And then, and then let's talk about what the shepherds did. So the shepherds are minding their own business doing their thing, watching their sheep, watching their flocks, maybe having their dinner. They have this angelic message come to them, a whole heavenly host singing glory to God. And then what do the shepherds do in response? Well, first they're scared. Then they're told not to be scared, fear not. And then what do they do? Well, verse 17 tells us that they went and they spread the word. The shepherds went. They went to see this thing they'd been told about. They went into Bethlehem town. They found the holy family. They found Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. They see them, and then after they see baby Jesus, they go and they spread the word. It basically seems like everybody they could find in that time, they went and they told about what they had seen and what they had heard and these things that had taken place. They told everybody about it and people were amazed. And and I want to just note this. Um, Sometimes people tell me, you know, say, well, pastor, I I can't do that. I can't do evangelism or I can't do ministry. I've not been trained. I've not been to Bible college. I've not been to seminary. But I want you to note the shepherds 
as far as we know, had had no training for this, right? They've just been doing their shepherding things. They were just minding their business. They get this message, they go and see, and then they go and tell everyone. They've not taken a Bible class. They've not been to Bible college. They've not taken a course on evangelism. They just go and they tell people what the Lord has done for them and in them and for the world. They just go and do it, right? And it's no knock on training. Training's good, right? If you can take a class, if you can improve yourself, if you can grow in your discipleship, that's great. Do it. But we don't have to have a class for everything. The shepherds didn't. They just went and they told what God had done and what God had done in them. And people were amazed at what they had to say. And so, you know, brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning and if you know Jesus this morning, then this week go out and tell someone what he's done for you. A neighbor, a coworker, a family member you're visiting for Christmas, your kid, I don't know, someone. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Be like the shepherd. And then also we get another, another response in verse 20. Verse 20 says that the shepherds then, they, they told everyone they could find what God was up to. And then verse 20 says they, they returned, they re, they returned glorifying and praising God. So they returned where? Well, they returned to the hillside. They returned to their flocks. And they, they basically went back to work. So they had this interruption. They followed up on it. And then they returned to their work, glorifying and praising God. And I think the, the, the lesson there for us is that... Is that not every part of our life is lived on that mountaintop, right? There are times when we gaze at the baby Jesus, right? And there are times that we, you know, and, that, and that's good. That's good. There are times we really focus on seasons of the year like right now with the Advent and the Christmas, but we don't focus specifically on that all the time, right? There are times of the church year that are just kind of ordinary times of the year. Um, so life isn't always, it's not always Christmas. It is at times, and that's good, but it's not always. Life, much of the time, is about work. It's about responsibility. It's about doing the things that we just have to do. And I think what we see here is that the shepherds are saying, in my sphere of influence, in my sphere of work and of life, I'm going to do what I have to do, but I'm also going to praise and glorify God as I do the things I need to do, as I watch my flocks, as I am responsible to the things I need to be responsible for. But where, wherever they were, they were going to praise and glorify God. And the lesson for us, the lesson for us, right, is, is that wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever God sends you, right, that he has a purpose in your being there. And part of that purpose is to praise and glorify God, to share this good news, right? It's not always at church. It's not always at Christmas time. But in whatever we do, that we're going to glorify and praise God in all things. Um, we see that recurring theme through the passage. The angels sing glory to God in the highest. And then the shepherds take that message back as they go back to the hillside, as they go back to their flocks, glorifying God 
in the highest. It's what they, it's what they do. They glorify him. They share the good news. Um, and so I think the bottom line there is that both the angels and the shepherds, they saw it as their chief end to glorify and to enjoy God forever in all that they do. And brothers and sisters, that is part of our chief end as well as, as believers is to glorify and to enjoy God in all that we do. Amen? Amen. All right. So that's part of what, that's part of what we are to do. Um, I think it's a mark of our discipleship, a mark of our spirituality, is to consider how much are we focused on God's glory? right? Is it just on Sunday? Well, I come to church and I'm going to glorify God and worship on Sunday. And then, well, the other six days of the week, I'm just busy with work and busy with these other things. Or is it, is, is worship part of our everyday life? Not just Sunday, but Monday through Saturday as well. Are we glorifying God in all the things that we do? I think that's an indicator you know, how much or, or how little we do that is sort of an indication, um, a temperature gauge, if you will, on sort of how closely we're walking with Jesus. So maybe that's a self-diagnostic to think about in your own life today. How closely are we walking with Jesus in our life, glorifying him as we worship corporately and as we go through the days of our life, they may be mundane days, they may be hardworking days, but are we glorifying God in those days as well? Are we intentional about giving God the glory? Something to think about. Um, finally, finally, there's one more character in the text today, and that's Mary. We do, get, we do get a little appearance of Mary. And so I want to check that out real quickly. In verse 19, Mary says, she says, it says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in our heart. I wonder, I wonder what Mary pondered. She probably had a lot to ponder. (laughs) A lot, a lot took place and she probably had a lot to ponder. I wonder what she treasured up in her heart. Think about what would Mary have treasured up in her heart. Perhaps she was pondering the significance of what God was doing in her life, a teenager, what God was doing in her life. Perhaps she was pondering the the significance of Messiah to come for her people, right? Perhaps she was simply pondering this amazing journey that she had found herself on. She didn't go and sign up for this thing, but she found herself on this amazing journey of faith. Maybe she was pondering these things. I'm not sure, but I'm sure a lot of stuff went through Mary's mind, and she pondered up all of these things, treasuring them in her heart. And I pray for us. I pray for us, brothers and sisters, this Christmas and then in the days and the weeks and the months ahead as we move forward into a new year together, that we too, like Mary, would be continuing to ponder these things, ponder what God has done for us, pondering how good He is, how much He loves us, and that we would be treasuring up Jesus in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word today. 
We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the wonder and the glory of, of, of this season and of this story. And I just pray that we too, like Mary, would ponder these many things and treasure up Jesus in our hearts and that we would be a people characterized by giving you the glory in all things. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.